Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. You are gonna love God's Word today. Because Pastor John has invited someone to preach that is actually a son of this house. See, his parents came to know Jesus many years ago when when my parents were pastoring. They came to know Jesus in, they told me this morning, in your kitchen or in your living room. And then their son, His name is Luke Brendling. He was dedicated as a baby in this church and by my granddad. And he's been in Norwich, but he's also pastored in London. He preaches around the world. He's a faith man. Pastor John said, bring faith. And we know someone that can bring faith because Luke and his his family moved here in December, Luke and Lisa and their girls, but they've gone through some heartache. They, They experienced a stillborn and multiple miscarriages, but he's proved the God of miracles in his life. And he's been resilient and he's beautiful and he's big hearted and he's encouraging. He loves our church. You're gonna love this word this morning. So can we get ready, put our hands together in honour of the Word and in honour of Luke Brendling. Oh, good morning, Soul Church. Good morning, Soul Church. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. Who's enjoying themselves? You are sounding fantastic. You know, before you take your seats, I just want to thank publicly your pastors, John and Chantel, and also the the key team, Rachel and Steve as well, for the warm welcome that you've given me and my family into this church. And my wife and I really love being a part of it. And can I tell you, what's happening here in Norwich, it it isn't normal. (laughs) I travel the world, I speak in different churches, small and large, all different denominations, but what God is doing in our city, in our city, in our city, it's pretty special. So why don't we take a moment to thank our team for everything that they do and the way they lead us. Come on, let's thank our pastors. Thank God for them. All right, you may be seated. <laughs> you know, as Rachel said, I'm, I'm married to Lisa. I have one wife, praise God. Just one, just one wife. And we have two beautiful miracle daughters. And I'm not going to share our, our story or our testimony as such today, but here they are. Here are my girls. And they are miracles. This is Lila Hope and Lucille Faith. Eight years ago, my wife had a, a, gave birth to a stillborn baby. And we were told that we may never have children. But we knew we served the God of the impossible, the God who can make things happen. And we believed and God blessed us against all the odds with two beautiful little girls. And so I put that picture up to encourage you today that when you hold faith in one hand and hope in the other, God will meet you in the middle. He will meet you in the middle. He is a faithful God. And so I want to bring my faith into this house this morning and believe with you whatever you're believing God for. That something is going to happen in here today. That something is going to happen in here. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do indeed thank you for all that you're doing through this church. 
And Lord, I ask right now that as this word goes forth, that it will be a word in season, that every man, every woman, and every child that are in this place or watching online, Lord, that they will receive a word, a word today that is transforming their life. We pray that minds will be renewed and that souls will be refreshed. Oh, Father, we come expectant. We come expectant for you to move in our situations. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Well, I want to talk to you today on a message titled, Is There Any Room for a Miracle? Is there any room for a miracle? Have you ever been in trouble? (laughs) Or judging by the murmurs, you have. But I'm not talking about the type of trouble you encounter with your boss when you're late to that meeting, or the type of trouble you get in with your teacher because your homework wasn't done, or the type of trouble you find yourself in with your wife because you forgot to pick up the mother-in-law again. I may have done it once or twice by mistake. I'm talking about being troubled. When worry becomes the loudest voice in your head, when circumstances barge in on your life causing pain and panic, confusion and doubt. I'm talking about being troubled by situations that that keep you up all night and uh, force you to lose all hope and energy as you don't know which way to turn or, or how to get out of that dilemma that you find yourself in. Or have you ever been troubled. I want to encourage you today, uh, for those of you that are in trouble and in need of a miracle, big or small, private or personal, that God has heard your prayers and that he can come through today. And so my assignment comes from 2 Kings chapter 4, where we see a woman that was in trouble and in desperate, desperate need of a miracle, which she got But what did she do to receive it? And what can we learn from her story that is going to change our story? And so let me read to you from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, and you can follow it on the big soul Bible. How many people like a big Bible? How many people brought their Bible? Give me a wave. A couple of you, that's good. A few phones. It says this. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, place them to one side. She left him. She shut the front door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live off what is left. Here we have, oh, it's good, isn't it? We're just getting started. Here we have a woman 
who was married to a prophet. This prophet had a reputation for being a godly man, and he obviously knew Elisha, but was now dead. We see that he died poor and was in more debt than he was worth. So the wife he left behind was now distressed, distraught, and in trouble. Their house, which once permeated prayers, laughter, and love, is now being filled with the doom, destruction, and harsh reality of death. Death is in the house. She is desperate. And desperate people do desperate things when they are in desperate need for a breakthrough. The Bible says that she cried out to Elisha. Now the Hebrew word for cry here is the word tuck. And tuck means to shriek, to howl, to let out a high pitch scream. Oh, when you're desperate, when you're desperate, you don't care how you sound. You don't care how you look. You don't care what other people may think about you. You don't care about those little things that once bothered you. You don't care what people say about you. I mean, she clearly knew who Elisha was, that, that he was a, a well-respected prophet, known for performing signs and wonders for the power of God. He was a big deal, but all dignity, all decorum went out of the window when she approached him because she was desperate. <laughs> she was desperate for her miracle. She is not happy about her husband's death. And she starts to offload her frustrations onto him. My husband was a good man. He was a faithful man. He served the Lord. But it does not seem to have done us any good because now it looks like I'm going to lose my two sons as well. Oh, Elisha, he steps into a situation that looks beyond repair. This distraught woman thinks that she is out of options. I mean, it's one thing to lose your car, to lose your iPad, to lose your phone, but to lose your children. To lose your children, they are her future, her inheritance, her retirement plan. Selling her sons is the last resort. No mother in her right mind wants to do that. That is how hopeless her situation is. But in the chaos of it all, she has forgotten who she has invited into her house. Oh, come on. You see, Elisha was a man who knew God personally. He carried the presence of God and the power of God. Oh friend, can I tell you this? That whenever you invite the presence of God into your house, then something has to change. Something has to change. I'll say it again, whenever, whenever you invite the presence of God into your house, then something has to change. That dilemma has to dissolve. That crisis has to shift. That problem shall pass. It shall pass. Now, you may be out of options today. You may have come into church smiling on the outside. But truthfully, you are desperate on the inside. You may not be in trouble like this woman was, but you need a miracle in a certain area of your life. And you're running out of time. You're running out of options. You're running out of resource. And you have no idea 
no idea how you're going to get through. Well, I want to encourage you today that if God is in your house, and I know that he resides here in this house, then he can turn your situation around. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can open that door that looks firmly shut. For when God is in the house, when God is in the house, a miracle is on its way. Turn to your neighbour and say, God is in my house. Now turn to your least favourite miracle, (laughs) your least favourite person. And say, God is in your house too. And so the woman, in her despair, explains to Elisha her predicament. And he calmly responds with two questions. He says, how can I help you and tell me what do you have in your house? Notice he didn't say, what can I bring from my house? He said, no, 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 what have you got in your house? To which she responded, nothing except a small jar of oil. And a fascinating conversation takes shape here. You see, God will always use the something he has put in your house. But you have to first be aware of what God has put in you. Where she saw nothing, Elisha saw potential. He saw that the ingredient for her miracle was already there. It just needed someone with eyes of faith to activate it. Oh, how good it is to have people around you with eyes of faith. People that can encourage you. People who can pull that gold out of you. People who recognize those gifts in you. But she is not alone in her thinking. Isn't it funny how we can believe and cheer other people on and we can see the the favor of God on their life and and we can see their gifts and and their talents. But, But when we look at ourselves... We can often utter words under our breath like, I'm a nobody. I'm a failure. I never get the good breaks. Oh, I just wasn't born with that gift. I never have enough money. I think God forgot about me. My life is not fair. Our friend, the enemy, wants to paralyze your productivity by trying to convince you that there is nothing in you that you are a waste of space, that you've missed your moment, that you've blown it. Well, the devil is a liar. For when you begin to discover and celebrate that there is something unique buried deep down on the inside of you, then you become attractive to be around. That the who you are is just who God requires to fulfill his plans on this earth. You fit his bill. You're the apple of his eye. You're the rose. Between two thorns. Oh, it's getting romantic in here this morning. (laughs) He doesn't need another John Norman. He doesn't need another Chantal Norman. He doesn't need another Mark Hollinger. Although two, you might not complain, Sharon, I'm not sure. He wants you to be you. And he needs you to be you. So when you think you're nothing, remember what God says about you. He says you're something. He says that you're a child of God, an heir of Christ, set apart to do great things. You are the head and not the tail. You are loved and accepted. You are justified and redeemed. You are indeed a miracle in the making. 
and what is in you and what is in your house is enough to get you through your trouble and onto the next level. You just need to look at it with eyes of faith. You see, when you allow God to touch what you think is the ordinary in your life, then something extraordinary will happen. Moses had an ordinary walking stick, but when God touched it, it parted the Red Sea. David, he had an an ordinary slingshot, but when God touched it, it brought down the great giant. Samson had an ordinary jawbone of a donkey, but when God touched it, they defeated 1,000 Philistines. There was a young boy with five loaves of bread and two fish, but when God touched it, they fed over 5,000 hungry people. This widow in the story, she had a small jar of olive oil, but when God touched it, it changed her life. God will use something you already have. Stop looking at other things. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Stop worrying about what you don't have and ask him today, Lord, show me what I do have for what you have is what you need to get your breakthrough. Oh, if you believe it, give him a shout of praise in this place this morning. I'm just warming up. John's Pastor John said, Look, just bring faith. So you're getting it. You're getting them. Elisha said in verse 3, he says, Go to the widow, go and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. In other words, this miracle isn't just about you, your family. Your friends, your neighborhood can all play a part in this miracle. You see, everyone, everyone who gives this widow a jar will be connected to this miracle for the rest of their lives. Oh, don't you just love these miracles where the whole community is going to be impacted by the generous giving of others? Oh, that sounds like church to me. And so he goes on to say, ask all your neighbors, don't ask for just a few. He's talking about the jars here. Now, this was a big hint from Elisha that something is about to happen. Almost suggesting from the off that the more determined you are to look a little crazy in going around to all your neighbors' houses and gathering up as many jars as possible, then the more you're going to see God at work. He is saying this, that the more uncomfortable you are willing to make yourself, the more God will take you by surprise. You see, if you position yourself for a miracle, God will meet you there. But you are the one who has to step out first. How can God move in our life if we are cemented to the floor? How can he move in our life if we are so fixed In our ways, faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. Faith is the bridge between our natural thoughts and our supernatural God. Faith is bringing the little that you think you have into God's presence that initiates a response from heaven. Do you have any faith? 
I learned a very harsh lesson <laughs> on radical faith when I was 21 years old. I was over in Sydney, Australia at Bible College and a group of us students had gone out into a, a local community to mow people's grass and paint the sheds and just tidy up that area. It had been a, a long day in the sun and we were all exhausted and ready to head back to church. So we get on the minibus and away we go. About halfway, halfway back, I, I see a woman out of, my, out of the window in the far distance. I mean, she was as far as the eye could see, tending her horses in this field. And I felt this still small voice on the inside say, Luke, stop the bus and go and talk to that woman. I ignored it, pushed it down. The bus carried on going a, a few more seconds. And again, I felt this still small voice. Luke, stop the bus and go and speak to that woman. And again, I pushed it down. 10 seconds later, the guy sitting behind me, his name was Gavin. Gavin stood up and shouted, stop the bus. Everyone started freaking out. The bus pulled over. He didn't tell anyone where he was going, but I knew exactly where he was going. He got out the bus and he walked across these two fields to the woman. About 30 minutes passed. We were waiting by the side of the road. And Gavin signaled for us all to come over. And so we got out and we walked up. And when we got there, we saw this woman was in floods of tears. She was crying. She was going through a painful divorce. And that morning, she thought she was going to end it all. She wasn't a Christian. She had never been to church. But on that very morning, she prayed, God, if you are real, then send someone to me today. That woman, oh, it gets better. That woman, she came to church that Sunday night. She gave her heart to Jesus Christ and her life was completely transformed. All because someone, not me, was brave enough to stop the bus. Oh, are you prepared to make a fool of yourself that only faith can carry you through? Surely that's the life that you want to live. And I'm not talking about being unwise. No, I'm saying this. Are you prepared to go out there and get more jars? Are you willing to tell that person in your workplace about Jesus? Are you brave enough to give that business another go? Are you ready to follow your convictions instead of following the crowd? Yes, that's work. Yes, that's inconvenient to you. Yes, it might make you look a little ridiculous sometimes or even unpopular, but that is the sort of faith God's eyes scan the earth looking to find. And I love it. I love it that about our church, Soul Church, always stepping out in faith. Look at our new building. That's a, a statement of faith right there. It's a miracle in the making that is going to house millions of miracles in the future. And you and I, just like this neighborhood in this story, we get to play our part in that miracle by bringing our jars, by bringing our resource, by bringing ourselves to the church. When pastors John and Chantel and the team embarked, on the new building project, they didn't have all the answers. 
They didn't know exactly how the journey was going to look, but at least they had some faith and continued to have some faith. Do you know what one of the great things about faith is? I'll tell you what it is, is that faith doesn't demand details. Faith doesn't demand details. Business plans do, strategies do, fulfilling a dream does, but faith doesn't. You might not understand what God is doing with you personally right now in your own walk, where he has positioned you, what he's calling you to, or even what he's asking you to give up. But you do not need to understand everything. For very rarely does God show you everything at once. God will often give you a clue and not the complete answer. He gives you a glimpse, but not the full picture. He gives you a taste, but not always the main course. And I'll tell you why he does that. He does it because he wants you to know that what he has birthed in your heart can come to pass. But do you have the faith to step into it? Do you have the trust to go after it? Oh, God will open the doors. God will open the doors, but it is you who needs a bit more faith and a bit more adventure to walk through it. Oh God, I don't know where I'm going, but I trust you. God, I don't know how to get out of this trouble, but I trust you. God, I don't know how I can afford this, but I trust you. God, I don't know how to raise my children, but I trust you. God, I don't know which path to take or what decision to make, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Faith. Pastor John said last week that we have got to get some faith back into the church. We have got to believe that even when we can't see it, God can still do it. I wish I said that, but that was Pastor John. I, I, I can't claim that one. Even when you can't see it, God can still do it. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Is this helping you this morning? And so I love how Elisha is putting the level of miracle that she wants to experience back on to her. He is teaching her a valuable lesson. And this is the one thing that I really want you to get today. He is teaching her this, that the more room you make for God, the more God will move in your life. The more room you make for God, the more God will move in your life. We can be so controlling over our agenda, so limited in our thinking, that we give God very little space to work with. Now, I am not saying that God cannot work in small spaces. Just a little bit of oil is all he needs. But this miracle was determined by how many jars had the space and the capacity for God to pour into. One summer afternoon in 2015, whilst decorating my house with my father-in-law, Kenny. I love Kenny. If you're watching Kenny, I love you. I love you too, darling. Every two wives down there. We were decorating our house when we heard a strange noise coming from the utility room. It was a scratching type of noise. It was a noise that suggests there is something alive in there that shouldn't be. <laughs> now, 
I have lived in a house with a mouse before, and it is not a very pleasant experience. That's right. And so I did what all brave men would have done if you were in my position. I went round to my neighbor's house, and I asked if I could borrow their cat. Now, <laughs> now this cat was different from the rest. His name was Dylan, and he had biceps and triceps. He was ripped. He was, he was as, as strong as your very own Pastor Steve Morstan, just over there. I mean, this was a special cat. And so we bring Dylan into the utility room, and he quickly identifies where the noise is coming from. The tumble dryer. Something is in the tumble dryer. And so me and Kenny, we, we look inside and, and we see nothing. We, we scour around nothing. After 20 minutes, Dylan walks off due to boredom. And so now it's just me and Kenny. And so we pull the tumble dryer out and we see that there's a small hole in the back. And think that must have been where it got in. Anyway, we can't see anything and we have to start taking the, the side panel apart. And as we do that, right down the bottom, I see something. <laughs> oh, it's dark. It's hairy. There is a bird in my tumble dryer. Look how menacing he is. I mean, he's pretty scary, isn't he? This is a sand martin. And we have an issue, because if we let this sand martin go in our house, this fella can fly all the way to Africa without stopping. We're never going to catch him. And so me and Kenny carry the tumble dryer outside. But as we untangle, untangle him, he starts to stretch out his wings. And then I watch him go high into the sky. Wow. Wow. I watch him glide through the clouds. And in, it was in that very moment where I felt God say this to me. That as, as birds have not been designed to live in small spaces, then you and I have not been designed to put a limit on our faith in God. We have been called to soar on wings like eagles to go beyond what we can currently see. We serve a faithful God, a faithful God, a God who knows the answer before you ask him the question. We know we serve a God that is loving, gracious, and powerful, a God that is still in the signs and wonders business, the God who the Bible describes as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So when you knock on heaven's door, for your miracle, don't you ask for just a few. Don't you settle for average. Make sure the prayers you pray are bold prayers, are crazy prayers, are faith-filled prayers. They should be impossible to accomplish. That is why you need God. Oh, if you believe him, give him a hand of praise right now. Perhaps the keys can come forward. And so the miracle is now positioned to take place. The jars have been collected. The space has been made. And then she shuts the door just as Elisha requested. Now I love the detail in the Bible here. You see, I can imagine in that moment, all of her neighbors peeking through their windows, 
trying to see what she is about to do with her, their jars. She, they want to know what is going on. There would have been murmurings and intrigue. And so she shuts the door, I believe, to remove any distractions. Isn't it amazing how distractions often show up right before God is about to do something? The distraction of doubt. Oh God, I'm just not sure this can happen. The distractions of insecurity. Oh God, I don't think I'm good enough for you to do a miracle through me. The distraction of fear. What if I step out and God doesn't come through? What are the people going to think of me? What are my neighbours, family and friends, what, what are they going to say about me? She walks inside that house. She shuts the door and instantly she takes that little jar and she starts to pour. And pour. Oh, just picture it. Pour. She's pouring her oil. The oil was flowing. This bankrupt, heartbroken, troubled woman is watching the miracle she so desperately desired happen before her eyes. It was happening. Bring me another jar, she said. And they filled it. Bring me another jar. Come on, fill it. Bring me another jar. And they filled it. But did you notice something? That it didn't matter where those jars came from. It didn't matter whether they were old or new. It didn't matter whether they were chipped or shiny. It didn't matter if they were broken or whole. It didn't matter if they were small or large. It didn't matter what their background was or what their journey they had been on. What mattered was the capacity on the inside. What mattered was its availability for the oil to be poured into. What it shows us is this, is that every vessel, every vessel qualifies to be used by God. That's what it teaches us. Every vessel, every vessel qualifies to be used by God. Bring me another jar and God filled it. Bring me another jar and God filled it. Bring me another jar. But then in verse 6, the widow says to her son, Mother, there is no jar left. And the oil stopped flowing. Yes, she got what she needed. She could sell the oil, pay off her debts, and live off what was left. But actually, God hadn't finished yet. God hadn't run out of provision. God still had more to give. He had more to do. He had more to show. But she had not made any more room for God to work with. Friend, don't allow the lack of jars, the restriction of your resource, the questioning of your obedience, the doubting of your faith, the problems of your past, the ignoring of the still small voice like I did on the minibus to hinder what God wants to pour into you today. I don't want you to miss out on all that God has in store for you. And so this week, 
Create more space for God to move in your life. Get up five minutes earlier to pray. Stop scrolling through your social media before bed and pick up your Bible. Shut the door on those distractions. Be intentional about helping someone. Look for moments in your day where you can be a blessing. Sow that seed. Even if it's something small, sow what you have in your hands. For as the widow learned that day, something small placed in the hands of a big God can change everything. If trouble comes, perhaps the band can come forward. If trouble comes, don't stop making room for God. Don't let your faith dwindle. Don't you give up. Don't you give up on your miracle. You keep knocking on heaven's door. From the youngest to the very oldest in here, God has heard your cry and He has more for you. It is bigger than you think it is. It is greater than you know it is. What is ahead of you is better than what has gone before you. For my Bible says that when Christ rose from the dead, He made a way for you and I to walk in His power, to see the impossible come to pass, to take new ground, to conquer greater heights, to claim bigger victories. He sent His Holy Spirit to live in you so that the oil, the oil, never stop flowing. Oh, I believe it this morning. I believe it this morning for miracles, miracles to be birthed in your life and in the life of this church. If you believe it, if you believe it, would you stand to your feet right now? Would you lift your hands high? Would you cry out to God and allow His oil, His power, His goodness, His grace to fill you up in Jesus' name. Come on. You know, I want to pray for some people in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to pray for every single person. Every single person in here. For those of you that are believing God for a miracle, could be something small, could be something very private, or it could be something very big, or even something very public. But I want to add my faith to your faith this morning. I believe in my God. <laughs> I believe that He is a miracle working God. And what He did for this widow, this desperate, troubled, heartbroken widow, I believe He can do for you too. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible for my God. And so right now, I want every single person, if you're physically able to, to lift two hands high to heaven as a sign of surrender, as a sign of reaching out, that God, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for you to move in my situation. Or maybe someone in your family or someone in your school or someone in your workplace. We can lift them people up too. And we're gonna declare the Word of God over you and over them. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we thank You that You are the name above every other name. And we thank You that You are in the signs and wonders business. We thank You that Your Word declares that You are the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever. And so right now, 
Lord, we present every miracle that is represented in this room and those watching online from something very small to those miracles that are very large. And we declare your hand, your hand to move in those situations. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray for provision. Lord, we ask that you will make a way even when there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. You know, I said I want to pray for a specific group of people right now. So if I can have every head bowed and every eye closed. I do this wherever I go. But I always want to take a moment to give people an opportunity to make your peace with God. To invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Saviour of your heart. The Bible says that Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He took it to the grave. But three days later, the Bible boldly declares that Jesus rose from the dead. And in doing so, He made a way for you and I to be loved, forgiven and accepted. The Bible calls it the gift of salvation. It is a gift that we cannot buy, we cannot earn, we cannot work for it. But we are to repent of our sins, which means we say sorry to God for all the bad things we've done and we turn our life towards Him. And the Bible says that when we do that, that He will come alive in you, that you will become a new creation. It is the, the, the greatest decision you could ever make is inviting Jesus to come alive in you. And so if I'm speaking to you today, if you would say, that's me, Luke. I wanna make that commitment today. Maybe you've never made this decision before. Perhaps it's the first time you've come to church or you've even tuned in online and you don't fully understand everything I've been saying, but you know that you need it. Well, I'm speaking to you. Or maybe you did say yes to Jesus once upon a time, but, but, but the oil has dried up in your life and you've backslidden, you've walked away and you're not living the life that Christ has called you to live. Well, I'm speaking to you too. And so if that's you on three, I would love you to just raise your hands so that I could pray with you, pray for you. I'm not gonna embarrass you, thank you. I see hands going up already. I'm not gonna embarrass you. This is about you and God. Here we go, one, thank you, two, thank you, three. That's it, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I see that hand there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. I see your hand there. Wonderful. Thank you. Praise God. I see you right at the back. Wonderful. Thank you for the wave. Wonderful. Okay, you can put your hands down. As I said, I'm going to lead you through a simple prayer of faith. And I want every single person, even if you didn't raise your hands, I want us all to pray as a family, as a community, this prayer. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sins and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, yeah. amen and amen. Come on, let's thank those people. Well done. God bless you.
Wow. I don't know about you, but I really felt the presence of God and the Word of God go forward. Hope you guys felt it online. You know, the amazing thing about Luke is whenever you meet him, you have a conversation with him. You just come away feeling this guy's the real deal. You feel encouraged. You feel built up. He has, he has spent hours preparing that and many hours praying for you. So I think we should put our hands together. Come on, why don't we thank Luke? An outstanding message. He's got a heart of gold. I love it. And for those of you that raised your hands, we would love you to do three things. Number one, we'd love you to give you a gift. If you prayed that prayer, then as you leave, even if you, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed the prayer, as you leave, our team have come to meet with you. They would love nothing more than as you leave, leave to give you a gift. It's a Bible. It's going to help you. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we'd love you to do is come back to church. If you're in another part of the country, find a great church and go there. And the third thing is next week we start our Follow Jesus course. And it's for anyone who's put up your hand, even over the last year, then this course is to help you follow Jesus. You've taken the first step. We want you to take the next and the next and the next throughout your life. We'll help you build foundations. We'll help you get set free and we'll help you build your faith. So you can sign up in the foyer, in the Connect Lounge or even online on our website because we want to set you up for a win for the rest of your life. So why don't we congratulate one more time all of those people who raised their hands. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.